Everybody loves a team that's humming, that has clear boundaries, that knows exactly who's doing what and when it's getting done. Like that's when magic happens, right? But there's a lot of steps. There's a lot of foundation that needs to be paved in order to get to that end. And I don't think that it's always clear. I don't think it's always taught how to get to that. And so then there's a lot of confusion because accountability is people. And when people get involved, work gets really hard. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. I'm not here by myself today. I've got our coaching manager, Olivia Graham, with us. Olivia, welcome. Thank you, Alex. Always a pleasure to be here. And we spend some time thinking about, man, what are the big themes? What are the big topics that we see as reoccurring from our customers as something they want to instill in their organization, something that they want to focus on, something that they really think that if they were to get it, it would increase and improve the effectiveness and efficiency of their business. And without a shadow of a doubt, one of those themes And one of those topics that comes up all the time is the topic of accountability. And I thought it would be so cool to walk through an outline surrounding accountability. And specifically, we're going to walk through seven reasons accountability in your organization might suck. We're not saying it does suck. We're saying it might suck. And we're going to walk through seven reasons why. And I wrote this outline. and I was like, oh, man, that'll be so good to go through on the podcast. And then I thought, man, someone that I have seen practice this so well in our organization is Olivia. So I thought it would be really helpful and valuable because this is a strength of Olivia's to bring her into this conversation to provide her perspective as well. So Olivia, you game on? I'm game on. I'm always here to talk about accountability. I think it's actually (laughs) maybe one of my favorite topics. I love it. Very cool. Okay. So before we jump into the seven reasons it might suck in people's organizations, let's first jump into why we think this is a reoccurring theme or why we think it is clearly on the mind and the heart of so many of the business owners that we work with every single day. Anything stand out as a reason why that might be the case to you? A couple things come to mind. I think it's something that people want, but it's not clear to them how to get it in a tactful and clear way. And so, and I know I've experienced that in my own career. Everybody loves a team that's humming that has clear boundaries, that knows exactly who's doing what and when it's getting done. Like that's when magic happens, right? But there's a lot of steps. There's a lot of foundation that needs to be paved in order to get to that end. And I don't think that it's always clear. I don't think it's always taught how to get to that. And so then there's a lot of confusion because accountability is people. And when people get involved, work gets really hard. And so all of a sudden, you have people's expectations, people's feelings, people's past hurts, people's desired futures. And you're trying to wade through all of that while also setting accountability structures in place. And I just think that it's something that when done well can create magic in an organization and when done poorly can create a lot of hurt and tension and drama, which is the opposite of anything productive. I think that's my go-to. What do you think? What would you think if you would add anything or, or expand upon? 
Well, I so agree with what you said. I, I think that this does represent what we would refer to within Path for Growth as a high return responsibility for a leader. Like if you can instill systems and structures that create healthy accountability in your organization at every level, oh my gosh, the return on that, it will be exponential compared to the time and energy you invested. And I think people are aware of that. I, yeah. I think people know like conceptually that that's true. I think we also know the consequences and cost and detriment of doing this poorly because you either don't have it at all or it's something that you do, but you don't do in a way that's healthy. You do it in a way that's toxic. We just know, man, that costs so much time on the back end, energy on the back end, and it's ultimately going to be something that costs so much money because I believe one of the primary reasons people leave a job is actually lack of accountability, which, mm-hmm. which sounds wild, but I mean, would you agree with that? Like, I think that's actually true. Like, a lot of times people leave a job because there's a lack of accountability in the organization. Right. Because I mean, what is accountability? A lot of the time it's you're holding someone accountable to the defined parameters of what winning looks like. And if winning isn't defined, you have nothing to hold anyone accountable to. Why would you want to stay? That makes complete sense to me. And I think that's rooted in a principle. I think I first heard Brene Brown articulate this. It was in a different context, but she said, like, you've got to walk around with this belief that most people, most of the time, are just doing the best that they can. Mm. And that is counterintuitive for a lot of people because a lot of leaders, if we've done this for a while and we've become cynical and we've become skeptical of people and our industry, we can start to believe these people don't want to work. These people don't want to do a good job. These people don't care. And in reality, I think you and I would both say, man, there's so much fruit and also so much more truth that comes in alignment with the fact of like, most people actually want to do a good job. They just need to know how. And I think that's part of what accountability is. Oh, I love that. Yes. Asking yourself, if you feel like they're not doing a job, did you give them what they needed to know how to do it? That's oftentimes where you need to start. I had a great conversation with one of my coaching customers about that exact thing the other day. They were really struggling with someone's quote unquote attitude at their job. And and then when asked, well, do you think that they know what doing a good job is? They said, like, I asked, do you know with absolute certainty that if I asked them, what does doing a good job look like, they could give you the answer? And they said, no. And then they held themselves, they then realized, oh, I need to hold myself accountable to giving them what they need to do well. So that's right. And, and I love that you bring that up because I think that lays such a good mental model framework as we walk into what we're about to talk about. And I think it's directly related to a principle I heard mentioned on office hours the other day, which is that as a leader, you are not responsible for people, but you are responsible to people. And what does that mean? Well, as a leader, you are responsible to provide people with clear expectations, uh, the tools that they need to get those expectations accomplished, and the equipping, support, rhythm, structures necessary for the job to be able to be accomplished. 
you are not responsible for them doing the job, but man, you are responsible to them knowing what the job actually is. And so it's in that context that we could walk through the positive side of accountability. And we've actually done that before. We'll link the episode of seven qualities of healthy accountability uh, in the show notes of this episode. But I thought it'd be really fun to walk through uh, the opposite of that, right? Let's talk about what it looks like when accountability sucks in an organization. And it was crazy. As I was writing this down, I was basing it on a lot of things that we, I think, do really well. But I also saw areas for our organization and for me personally, where it's like, oh man, I can get better at that. And so I think before we jump into these, I would say like, this is not something that any of us are perfect on. If you think you're perfect on it, you probably have the most work to do, right? But it's something that we can all just take a good look in the mirror and say, how can we make this better? Anything else you would add for people before we jump into these seven reasons? I want to emphasize what you just said, that it's the art of always evaluating and improving. And if you think you've arrived, then you probably need to do a good reevaluation. But yeah, I just think what you said is beautiful. Continue to evaluate where you're at. But let's get let's jump in. I love it. Okay, so seven reasons accountability in your organization might, it might suck. Number one, it's random. So this reason is really rooted in the idea that healthy accountability always occurs in a rhythm. It always occurs in a cadence. It means that it's something that can truly be counted on by the people that you're holding accountable. Conversely, whenever accountability sucks, it feels very random. There's no rhythm, there's no cadence, and there's no expectation as to when people are going to be held account. Olivia, I'd love to hear your thoughts on like, from an employee perspective, like why does it suck when accountability is random? I think the thing that has given me the most trust in my direct leader, who's Zach, for everyone listening, is that I know without a shadow of a doubt, regardless of whether I think there's something to talk about or not, we are meeting once a week. And we are having our one-on-one meeting where he is going to hold me accountable to my role success statement. And if I'm being honest, there's many times where I'm like, I don't really want to go to that meeting. There's things that feel more urgent. There's things that feel more important. I sometimes ask myself, like, what are we even going to talk about? But the compounding effect of me knowing that there is nothing that could get on Zach's calendar that would have him cancel my one-on-one with him has built so much trust over the years that I couldn't, I just just have a different dynamic with my leader than I ever could. And so the lack of randomness has just supported an area that you can't facilitate in any other way than just like showing up on a consistent basis. I love that you bring up your relationship with Zach. And I also love your perspective on our team because you also have the experience of being held accountable by someone else that maybe wasn't as effective as as Zach. And that was me, (laughs) right? (laughs) So Olivia was one of our first hires and she, she got to see, holy cow, the scrappy startup of Path for Growth. And this is something that I'm very aware of is that my natural predisposition 
is not to be really good at sustained accountability with people. Why? Because I love creating and and leading into the unknown and accountability more often than not is managing and sustaining the known. And so it's not something that I'm great at. And so therefore, it was what we had to do at the beginning, right? Because I was the only option and we got to have some sort of accountability. But can you explain what it was like to be held accountable by me versus now being uh, held accountable by Zach, who's just so radically consistent specifically in this arena? Such a good question and also such a hard question. And uh, all right, you know, I love you, Alex. And so I I say this with all the kindness and in my heart, but there is, there is an anxiety and there is a tension that comes with not knowing what to expect from your direct leader. And you, you are such a great leader in so many ways, but when it comes to, and again, I almost want to say like at the time we didn't have it in our role success statements for you to be holding me accountable in this way. And so it's almost like if you had had the structure that we now have in place, I'd almost say, well, maybe we'd be getting a different result. But thinking back to that time, there was a lot of forward moving energy. There was a lot of intensity. A lot of things were growing very quickly, et cetera. And I think that as a team member, not knowing what to expect from you on a week to week basis created some anxiety and tension that in a fast moving organization, I probably needed and I always needed regardless. And I think that instilling those like oasises for our team members that they, it's just, again, something that you can count on. Like, I think about this with my son. It's like he can depend on a certain bedtime routine. He can depend on a certain way that the morning goes. We ultimately need those as adults as well. And so what are the cadences and rhythms that we're providing for our teams to be able to depend on so that they have more agility, flexibility to deal with the unknown is important. And I think that at the time, we didn't have that in our team, and that made it challenging to truly show up and be creative and resilient. I appreciate that answer so much. And there's a couple things that I want to call attention to for business owners that are embedded in that answer. Number one, it's okay that that this isn't your greatest strength. Absolutely. That is absolutely okay. And I actually think one of the things that – delayed me from finding a solution on this for my business was my fear that it was really, it made me a bad leader to say that it was a problem, right? Like I had this expectation of myself as a leader, like I've got to be the one that does that. I should be the one that does that. And because I had that expectation of myself, I never looked for Zach, I never looked for an integrator. I never looked for someone to manage accountability in our organization because I thought I have to be the one that does this. One thing that I would call attention to for people is the thing that you procrastinate is probably the thing that you should delegate. And it wasn't that I didn't know consistent accountability was important. I knew it was important, but I would just procrastinate it because I didn't enjoy it that much. 
And if it came between me recording a new podcast episode that I was really passionate about or me engaging with this in the way that uh, really uh, with the time and attention that it deserved, the podcast episode would win every single time. And so the way I remember my working relationship with Olivia in that time is I would have these moments where I'd be like, oh man, I really got to focus on this. I really got to focus on accountability. I need to make sure that she's receiving clear leadership and expectations from me. And I'd watch like multiple of her recordings and we'd walk through it. I'd have a whole list of feedback that I'd send her ahead of time. I'd have an agenda for her one-on-one meeting and she'd have that experience. And then the two weeks later, it would be the exact opposite where Mm -hmm. two minutes before I'm like, oh, what are we going to talk about? I'll just make up some stuff. And then I would say, oh, that wasn't very good. And the pendulum would swing again. And it was random, right? So the takeaway from number one, accountability in your organization might suck if it's random, meaning the cadence and rhythm isn't predictable, whether it's a weekly or biweekly one-on-one or what happens in that one-on-one is remarkably random and can't be counted on. Okay, let's move on to number two. So reason number two why accountability in your organization might suck is that it's reactive. I think this is actually very related to what we already discussed in point one, but I think a lot of leaders often think that they're good at accountability because they're good at calling things out that are wrong after they happen. And that is a type of leadership, but it's certainly not the most effective. And I would even argue it's not the most efficient, right? Why? Because it's like, you're just reacting when things go wrong. What would it look like for you to cast a vision of what you want to go right? To be proactive as a leader in holding people accountable, to create systems for that on the front end, instead of scheduling meetings on the back end of things not going the way that you wish they should. Olivia, what else do you think would be helpful to add on this idea of accountability being reactive? I used to think that I was very poor at giving feedback. And what I have realized in my role as coaching manager is that I'm actually very uncomfortable stepping into conversations where clear expectations weren't given proactively and then I have to backtrack. I hate doing that. And that made me realize, like, as you're saying it, I really struggled with my accountability being reactive. I, I do think that there's the type of personality type who's like really bold and brash and likes to call it out how it is, like what you just described. And I also think that there's a lot of people who think that they're bad at accountability because they don't like to do that. And what I have found is that If you're holding someone accountable to proactive expectations, then it's a very different conversation and it's a very different skill set. And I find that most more people are actually probably better at it than they think. And it makes me think about a recent time on our team where I realized that on our coaching team, I had this certain expectation of our coaches regarding sales. And I only brought it up to them in a reactive sense. And then I had this great conversation with Kyle on our team around like, hey, let's just add a role success statement about sales to the coaching role so that we can proactively talk about it. And from then on, all conversations have been so much more organic and fluid and natural and easy. And it was just a matter of drawing a line in the sand of what I'm expecting of them. And so I think that before you count yourself out as not being good at something, 
asking yourself, have I given myself and my team everything that I need to succeed? And to me, like I was really failing in the reactive category. I wasn't giving my team what I needed to succeed in this area. It's really interesting that, well, I guess we should kind of share that we think one of the ways to be proactive is like we've already discussed to create a rhythm of one-on-one meetings with direct reports. It's amazing that when people start to consider that as a possible path forward for their business or their organization. I would say that's one of the things as it relates to accountability that often meets the most resistance. Like we actually meet resistance from business owners on the idea of one-on-one meetings, but then sometimes the business owner is fully bought in and then their team members like express a ton of resistance around one-on-one meetings. Do you have any theories or anything you've observed in the customers that we get to work with as to why specifically the idea of one-on-one meetings meets resistance? Hmm. A couple come to mind. The first one is the natural question of, well, why are we doing this now? Like, is there something wrong? Is something going on that I don't know about? And there's just a lack of clarity. And so the first thing that I think really helps meet that objection at the head is being hyper clear as to why you're doing it. The second one, and I think I have fallen into this in the past, is like, what's the point? Not like why, like the why one is probably like, did I do something wrong? Are we doing this as like a low key course correction? The second, what's the point is like, well, what are we trying to accomplish here? Like I could be spending my time on a sales call, on a coaching call, working on whatever it is. Like what, what's the value of me spending time doing this? That one is a little bit more of a, I think, you as the leader being comfortable with that tension and showing up week after week will show what the value is over time. Because as I said, like, what's the most valuable thing that Zach's ever done for me as a leader to build trust while showing up week after week doing my one-on-one meeting? He wouldn't have been able to say, you know, Olivia, a year from now, you're going to say this is the most trusting building thing that we've ever done. But I think that you as the leader having the vision to know that this is worthwhile, and even if they have questions about it, being consistent and expecting them to be consistent makes a big difference. So those are the two I would say. What about you? Would you add any? Well, I think what you highlighted is the fact that typically when people have experienced accountability, they've only experienced it as reactive. And so when you start scheduling a series of one-on-one meetings with them, their initial question is like, am I about to get fired? Is that what's going on here? Or like, what am I doing wrong? And that's why it's so helpful to just be proactive and to just assure people like, you're not doing anything wrong. If anything, I'd love to call attention to and make sure I have visibility into the things that you're doing right Let's just make it in a spot where nothing ever gets sideways, right? Jim Collins says that leadership is 1% vision and 99% alignment. And everything we're talking about in this episode is the hard but necessary work of alignment, making sure we stay on the same page. Okay, let's move to number three. Number three is that accountability might suck because it's not role-based, So one of the big aha moments in our business was whenever we created a future role chart, that was an exercise that I learned from the E-Myth Revisited that was just so helpful because it 
helped us conceptualize what the business would look like in terms of the jobs that needed to be done. And then we just started putting names of like, okay, well, we don't have 20 people right now, but we have 20 jobs. And it helped me know, okay, in these conversations, Alex is wearing the CEO hat. In these conversations, he's wearing the coach hat. In these conversations, he's wearing the sales hat. In these conversations, he's wearing the marketing hat. And you can figure out who's playing what role at any given time. I'd love for you to describe what it looks like when accountability isn't role-based, because I think that's what's most common in organizations is accountability that looks something very different. I think you and I have experienced this in our working relationship. So you're the CEO and you're a coach. And for a period of time, it almost went unspoken where it was like, you're a coach, but you're not being held accountable. And we realized like that's us working out of alignment, but we wouldn't have realized that had we not had this clear role chart of you're the CEO and you're also a coach. It would have just been, you're a CEO with coaching responsibilities that you do sometimes. And I think that by drawing lines around the, the roles, you're able to engage and interact with the people on your team in a way that you wouldn't be able to if they weren't done. Like I, as the coaching manager, ultimately do report to you. Like you are the owner of the business. I, in that arena, do not have the authority to hold you accountable to anything. But because we have put the definition that you are also a coach, it gives, it almost gives me the ability to step into the room with a certain certain vantage point, certain competence, certain capability, where we have a shared understanding that this is how our roles operate in this room together. The coaching manager holds the coach accountable. And because we have that shared understanding, we just decided at the door when we walked in, hey, we're not going to put the CEO hat on in this conversation. We're just wearing the coaching hat. And so it just makes things more fluid. Yeah. And this is so profound for small growing businesses i want to draw the picture out for people i wish i wish i had a visual that i could show people but we have the owner of the business that's alex we also have a ceo of the business that reports to the owner just happens that ceo alex reports to owner alex right then we have coaching manager who's olivia that reports to ceo alex and then we have coach alex that reports to coaching manager olivia Now, this is where it gets really important to understand. CEO Alex and also our COO Zach have a vested interest in coaching manager Olivia accomplishing her job. And she's got crystal clarity around what her job is. In order for her to perform her job, she needs coach Alex to perform his job. And what that does is it makes it to where, man, if, if Coach Alex is ever wasting time or performing not to standard or not doing a great job, she can go to CEO Alex and COO uh, Zach and say, hey, I think we might need to course correct or, or even terminate Coach <laughs> Alex. And, and that's, I, I wish I could describe how helpful that is for me personally to remember like, 
It's not all CEO all the time. The thing that I do that benefits the organization the most is the CEO role, but I need to play a coach role. But I mean, it's really important for me not to hold people accountable to things that I am not willing to be held accountable to, right? So it's like, if I'm going to play the coaching role, why would I not be held accountable to the same standards? It's why I think I would advise the same rhythm for any CEO that's currently playing multiple roles on their team. Um, Something that comes to mind in this having accountability be role-based. This also goes to making sure that accountability is part of someone's role if you're wanting someone to hold others accountable. And so like you have an expectation of me as the coaching manager to hold the coaching team accountable. And that is very, very clear. And something that I see go wrong and that I've personally experienced is someone in the organization telling someone to hold peers accountable and there's no formality about it at all. Like I've experienced being on a team early in my career where they really leaned into like, you are the role before you're given the role thought process. So you act in the role before you are formally given that title. And I think in many ways that that is true. I don't think that's true in accountability. And so I was being asked to indirectly hold my peers accountable. And it was a horribly awkward, frustrating situation for everyone involved. And so when you're thinking about role-based, also make sure have you equipped the role that you're asking to do the holding of the accountability? Have you given them that clarity in their role? Yeah, I'm so glad you pointed that out because I think so often we think, oh, well, like, they're doing the same thing right now, but this one will just be, they're a leader, so they'll hold the others accountable just kind of naturally. And man, you're setting that person up to fail and to feel really awkward, which just isn't helpful. Okay, let's go to number four. Accountability in your organization might suck because it's rooted in what's wrong. I don't think we need to park too much on this, but what I would say is that remember the definition of accountability is to give account for something. So often we think accountability is punishing people whenever they do something incorrect, right? Accountability is just to give account of what's occurred. And sometimes there's things that have gone really well. And it would be such a shame if there weren't rhythms in your organization so that you as a leader and that your leaders of people on your team didn't see that regularly so they could encourage it, so they could recognize it, so they could have visibility into it. I also think it's really strategically important for you to know what's going well in your organization so that you can amplify it. Olivia, this is something I think you do really well with your team. And so I'd just love to know, like, practically in your one-on-one meetings, like, how do you think about making sure that you've got pieces or areas for recognition in those one-on-one meetings, Olivia? I think I've got this language from you. And I don't think I do this all the time, but when I do it, I'm really glad that I did. And it's hyper-direct feedback. And that's both positive, like, whether that's affirmation or course correction. And so it's not helpful to be told, you're doing a really good job. It is helpful to be told, when you did this specific thing with this specific coaching customer, I noticed that the result of that was they did X, Y, and Z. Like they they started leading their team in a way I've never seen them being able to do before. They started communicating in a way that was healthy. They started having a budget in their business, you know, whatever it is. And I always try to take time to think of, if I give this feedback, are they able to point to 
what they either did well or that they need to correct so specifically that it's easy for them to either amplify or fix it. And if they can't do that, then I missed my mark in giving the feedback. Yeah. I, what that highlights for me too is the fact that so often we uh, are so quick to breeze over our wins. And man, you as a leader can unlock so much gold if you help someone pause on their win and ask them like, what happened there? Like, that was so good. I want to compliment you on that. But then I also want to challenge you to think about, like, what are all the things that occurred that made that go so well? And how could we do that again? How could we do that even bigger? How could we teach other people to do that? And and so dwelling on the wins uh, can actually be a really helpful leadership practice. Okay, let's go to number five. Accountability might suck because it's not written. This really just applies to something we teach all the time in our organization, which is you don't get to hold people accountable to a standard that's not documented. Why is that so important that this is on paper in a way that's clear and accessible? It goes back to the rhythms piece. You know that our rhythm in our one-on-one meeting is that we pull up our dashboards that have our role success statements written. We start at coaching sessions. We move to check-ins. We go to office hours. We do development plan. You know, there is a flow that you can depend on. And what I observe is because we have that dependency, I can prepare for my one-on-one meetings in a particular way where I'm like, I know Zach's going to ask me about my sessions. So I'm going to prepare these things that I really want him to know about my sessions, my coaching sessions. If I didn't know that he wasn't going to ask me that, I wouldn't think about it. And then that causes irritation to the leader when they ask a question, which is, well, don't they think about their coaching calls when they're not in their coaching? Like it just creates this drama loop. And so I think having them written down just again creates this dependency on the team which just benefits everybody. I I think the other thing that we've seen, and we see this in our coaching work, we see this with our team, we also see this in the way people instill healthy systems for accountability in their organizations around the country, is when you document it, you then have evidence, visual evidence of progress or regression. And I can't tell you like unhealthy accountability. I've seen this occur more times than I I would like to is like people say, we finally decided we've had enough for this person, but we don't have any documented evidence, which means we need to start looking for everything they're doing wrong and make sure we're writing it down. And it's like, oh gosh, that's an awful way to fire someone. That sucks, right? And you think you're equipping that person to win bad leadership, right? Rather have a rhythm, have structure for consistently documenting what's going on with people's performance as it's being performed on a consistent rhythm. And then you'll never put yourself in a position where you have to now build your case for firing someone and you'd rather just fire them. That's that's no good. But then you can also show people how they've grown. It's so cool to see people go from red to yellow to green and to point that out to them. Okay, let's move to number six. Number six, the reason why accountability might suck in your organization is it's not relational. I I think it's so crucial that accountability is formal. 
right? That it's a process that they can count on, that it's written down, and it can be a lighthearted conversation, but it can be a lighthearted formal conversation. But the thing that I think is so crucial that any impact-driven leader would really want is you got to make sure that that formality of that meeting is nested inside the awareness of a life-giving, thriving relationship, right? Otherwise, people start to feel like a unit of production, This can be hard. I think it's even more hard in a virtual environment, but I think it's something that you do really well, Olivia. Is there anything you would share with people about how to make sure these formal meetings are nested inside the context of an ongoing relationship with people? A very common office hours question. Office hours is within our community when our business owners come together and ask questions about opportunities, challenges, et cetera, in their business is... Well, outside of red, yellow, greening success statements, what else am I supposed to do in a one-on-one meeting? And that's a production-minded thought process. Like, okay, I'm checking this box. I'm doing this thing that's going to help my team and amplify our impact. And you can see the shift of the same people who ask that question after they've been doing a one-on-one meeting for a couple months where they're like, I wouldn't trade my one-on-one meeting for anything because I didn't know that so-and-so had a special needs child. I didn't know that so-and-so had marital problems. I didn't know that so-and-so was training for a marathon. I didn't know, et cetera. And I think that if you make time for people and you show genuine curiosity in what's going on with them, then you're going to create this space where relationships just going to happen And then it shifts the accountability conversation completely because now the person who you're holding accountable knows that you care for them. And if someone knows that you care for them, then they're immediately more receptive to what you have to say. But I'd say you're really good at this too, Alex. I mean, like, what have you observed in in creating relationships with our team? Well, the, the thing that I have to remember and come back to pretty regularly is I actually care about these people, right? Yeah. And, and it, I feel bad saying that I have to remind myself of that. But it's amazing when I rest in that, remind myself of that, dwell on that in my prayer time in the morning, then what do I do? I care about these people, right? And so it's it's listening to the better angels of our nature, right? This is not part of a job. Like I'm actually legitimately very interested in how Kyle's son Easton did at his American Ninja Warrior competition this weekend, right? And when I slow down to remind myself of the fact that that's like really interesting to me and I really care about that, then I'm going to send him a message about that. And then we're never going to end up in a situation where the only time Kyle hears from the owner of the company is whenever something's wrong or I'm requesting something. And so just slowing down enough to remind ourselves like, we love these people, like literally love these people and then be about the business of loving these people. Okay, let's jump into number seven. The number seven uh, reason why accountability in your organization might suck is it's not really wanted. I don't think we have to spend much time on this, but a lot of times an owner can say, man, I want accountability in my organization. We just need to get better at accountability. And then we, the first question we would ask and the first question I should even ask myself is, Am I being held accountable? And the principle here is that if you want to hold accountable, you first have to be willing to be held accountable. Uh, Olivia, like, why is it so crucial 
that we start with ourselves and say, man, is there consistency, rhythm, clarity around expectations for myself and my role before I do this with anyone else? I think it's one of the most common patterns that I've observed with people that we've worked with that the you reap what you sow just genuinely applies. There is an art to accountability. And you don't get good at something if you don't refine your craft. And I think that by you holding yourself accountable, that is you laying the seeds of why this matters. Why is this important? And when I say hold yourself accountable, I mean like if you're the owner of a business and there's no one on your team who's holding you accountable, getting someone else to hold you accountable. Or like in your case, Alex, you sought out Zach in the COO role to hold you accountable in the CEO role. And so making sure that you are ruthlessly seeking out accountability, it's going to give you, one, the perspective of why it matters. Two, it's going to help you with the skill set of what it is to work through a system of accountability because that takes practice. And it's going to help you see some rewards. And so I think that your, your team is going to feed off of you and your energy. And if you're not bought into it for yourself, then they're going to sense, like, this is phony. I'm not into this all day long. Well communicated. With that, it is 1145. And I promised Olivia that she'd be off at 1145 to go feed her baby. So Olivia, (laughs) uh, I'm going to wrap this up, but you're good to go. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on here. Very fun. Very cool. So uh, let's review all seven. And then what I'm going to give you is two action items that you want to make sure you attend to out of this episode. Uh, Accountability in your organization might suck because it's random. It's reactive. It's not role-based. It's rooted in what's wrong. It's not written. It's not relational. And it's not really wanted. Okay, two practical actions. Number one, create a rhythm and a structure for yourself to be held accountable. Now, I do know individuals who have done this just for themselves, by themselves. I can tell you, I as a business owner could never do that. I need external support to hold me accountable and to also create reasonable expectations that I can commit to. And so uh, one thing that I would say is you probably need to get this from someone. Who you get it from is obviously 100% your choice. Uh, That's what we provide at Path for Growth. We make sure that every one-on-one coach within Path for Growth holds every CEO or COO that is part of our one-on-one coaching program accountable to their high return responsibilities. We help them create clear expectations for themselves of what their role is that will benefit the growth and health of their business the most. And then every single month, we're checking in on those and red, yellow, greening it to make sure that they experience real, healthy, life-giving accountability. So action item number one, create a rhythm and a structure for you to be held accountable. And if you're interested in working with a Path for Growth coach to do that, you can click the link that's in the show notes of this episode. Number two, once you've got that in place, not before, just once you've got that in place, do the same thing for just one direct report. 
Choose one person that reports to you and say, I'm going to create the structure and rhythm for healthy accountability, and I'm going to stick to it with this one direct report. And I, I just guarantee you, if you take that one action, you're going to see the fruit. You're going to see the return on that investment, both in your ability to stay clear-headed about your expectations, but also you're going to be playing the role of leader as a multiplier in that situation. And you're going to experience the, the goodness of watching someone move forward, progress, and grow, because that is the most likely outcome of you getting clear about expectations and communicating about them in a consistent way. Y'all, I hope that this content was valuable. If you want more content like it, we send out an email every single week called Worth It Wednesday. I think most email isn't worth it, so we want to send one every week that is. We send a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. If you want to be on that list of people, there's so many of you that are already part of it, but if you want to join, uh, you can sign up at pathforgrowth.com or click the link that's in the show notes of this episode. Y'all know this. We're rooting for you. We're praying for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.